Welcome to ESOP, a place for you to share your story. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Angela Masenic, and this is More About Me. Hello, Angela. I am so excited to have you on the show today and to share and learn about your story. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. What I love about what you're doing is you're helping other people, but you had to get there yourself first, right? You had to get to a point in your life where you saw that something needed to change and then you had to be able to actually change it before you could take this forward. And so my thought is that really what we want to do today is take people through your before and after journey to help them understand why you're so passionate about what you do. Does that sound good? That sounds awesome. Well, first of all, let's do a quick foundation lay here. Let's tell people what it is you do. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a certified life coach who specializes in helping women stop over drinking. Okay. So there's two pieces of this, the certified life coach and the over drinking piece, which I think are both important to uh, flesh out today. So let's take a little trip down memory lane. Let's talk about who you were before you became a life coach and before you recognized that drinking was something you wanted to address. Well, I feel like my whole life, ever since I, you know, even before I turned 21, my first introduction to alcohol was, you know, probably in high school and very casually. It was hard to get underage, obviously. But once I got into college, it became less hard to get. And there was just a lot of parties and fitting in. It wasn't You know, I definitely felt like if I drank and got drunk or buzzed and loopy and goofy, like that I made more friends or I thought I I was more fun, but I wasn't super conscious that that's what I was doing. But looking back at it now, it was what was happening. It was just using it as a social lubricant to connect with people, to have those groups of fun. I would host big house parties with my roommates and have DJs and dancing and late night shenanigans. And then I would, of course, I would have hangovers and things. I was so young then that the impact on me, like, wasn't really terrible. Like I could party until three or four in the morning and then get up and go at work at seven o'clock and like totally work all day, go to class, do the things and like didn't really notice (laughs) too much. It was wild. You know, what's interesting is it feels like you are creating an identity around this force in your life, which had to do with the idea that drinking made you more fun made you more interesting, right? So that's one big thing. Would you say that that's accurate? Absolutely. So when I was growing up, you know, my parents were heavy, heavy drinkers. A lot of people in my family heavily drank and they didn't come right out and say it in so many terms, but it was just like, if you don't drink, there's something wrong with you and you're uptight or boring. So our society kind of started, and including my own family started Like, it's like being in the water. We talk about that now, right? Like, it's just like your culture, your upbringing, like it influences how you think about things. And so I adapted that belief that you weren't fun unless you were somebody who drank. And so I would avoid 
religious people who didn't drink or, you know, really studious college students that like didn't stay up all night and party. Like I'm like, oh, I don't really have anything in common with them. Right. So I really at an early age started separating myself to be with people who I thought were fun and lively and not boring and who like to party. So yeah, that's absolutely true. And so my belief system around alcohol started then. And then after college, you know, I got into the professional workforce, I started making money, and my party lifestyle turned into more of a sophisticated type drinking. So I I moved to Washington State and there was wineries and entertaining clients and having vacations and travel and all this stuff where alcohol and fine food and things like that was just now like, ooh, this is cool. This is sophisticated. And then I got into wineries and wine club memberships and you know, I just became very like into that as like a hobby as well. So it just became a part of my lifestyle. Eventually, I met my husband, we got married in a winery in California, like I hosted wine tasting events. And we lived then at that time, we lived in San Francisco. So we could get up to Napa County and Napa Valley and Sonoma County, like very easily. And we went to Vegas all the time. Like it was just a big part of our lifestyle. And then throughout that time, I would try to take breaks. And especially like around a work event, like I would go to a work event, really like it was a party hard, play hard or work hard type of atmosphere. And I would be flying home from like a work event. And like, I was so swollen <laughs> with like over drinking. And I'm like, all right, I need to do a detox when I get back. So I would drink green smoothies or, you know, totally abstain for you know, four or five days. And then the weekend would roll around and be like, all right, I'm ready to drink again. I'm feeling better, which is crazy now thinking about that. But um, yeah, so like there was this pattern of trying to cut back and then like it creeping back in again. until I got to my breaking point of feeling like a piece of shit, super puffy. I would gain a bunch of weight. I also, this is a huge part of my story too, is the weight loss stuff. I had been on a diet since I was eight years old. So I had been constantly trying to lose weight pretty much my whole life. Right. And so when I would drink and then I would eat a lot, if like a late night episode or something like that, I would gain like five or six pounds in a weekend. And it was just this terrible cycle that I found myself in over and over and over and over again for two decades. So that's pretty much the story. It just kind of grew and got bigger over time. It's like drinking was your normal Mm -hmm. and over drinking is something we haven't ventured into yet. So what I'm hearing is that including alcohol in pretty much everything you did socially and maybe even just in a routine way was normal. It was just ingrained. You couldn't have a party without alcohol. You couldn't go out to eat without sipping wine or whatever. Right. When you talk about over drinking, how does that change the normal drinking habit you had? Well, I think it was all over drinking. (laughs) So when I say this story, it's like, you know, it was very rare that I would go out to dinner and just have like a glass of wine. Like I would go out to dinner and have wine and then like I would drink mine so fast and I'd be like, if I was with friends that weren't drinking as fast as me, I would be like, are they going to have another glass? What is happening? Like I would be obsessed with it. You couldn't focus on what was really happening because you were trying to manage your alcohol consumption. Yes. Yes. <laughs> or I would just be like, oh, this is fun. Everybody should have more drinks. And I would rally the people around me to go out and drink more so I could keep drinking and not feel bad about myself. 
Oh, I, so. yeah, I can, I, I can relate very well to all of this. Um, what's also interesting is that you knew, you knew it wasn't good for you because you tried to take breaks. Can you talk a little more about that and what happened when you would try to take your breaks? Yeah. So like I could do, you know, I could do a week or two, four or five days. I also grew up with my parents being heavy drinkers and I knew that that influenced me and I didn't want to be like them, even though I was like partying or whatever. I'm like, I'm not like them because I'm not drinking every day. And and I'm not, you know, 50 years old plus like having this, you know, 30 year long habit. This was, you know, when I was in my late 20s or 30s, I was very conscious of not wanting to be like them when I was older. Right. And so I would tell myself that and I would be like, okay, I need to cut back here. I need to cut back here. And so I could for a few days at a time or longer periods. And it was it wasn't hard by the time I would make the decision to be like, okay, I need to dial this back. It's because I probably had overdrank so much. I felt terrible physically. So I was like really sick of myself with it, right? So I'm like, is, it was easy to take a break when I felt that way physically. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because there is a fine line around this idea that you're addicted to alcohol. There's a lot of levels. It's a big gray area between being what someone might call an alcoholic to being someone who you know, has a healthy relationship with alcohol. And it sounds like you fell somewhere in the middle because many people who would give themselves the label alcoholic could not actually stay away from alcohol if they decided they wanted to. So would you agree that that is sort of where you fell in that spectrum or how do you feel about even labeling? So I definitely would never have called myself an alcoholic in my mind at that time, you know, through those years, alcoholics were like non-functioning. They, you know, needed alcohol to get through the day. They were destroying their relationships around them. Maybe they couldn't even hold a job for very long. My first husband was, I would classify as an alcoholic. We got married young in college. He was, when we met, he was just dealing with his first DUI. Wasn't really like, I wasn't really aware what that meant. And through our very short marriage, it became apparent that he was more of like that person that just, he kept losing jobs because he was having more mental stuff going on, not so much about the alcohol, but he would really crash hard. He got another DUI. Like it was really destroying his life. And so when I compared myself to that in this time period, I'm like, I'm not that far down the line. Right. So I didn't at that time, didn't have that label for myself. I'm just like, I overdrink. So that to me means anytime you drink more than you want to say, like, if you wanted to just, if your intention was to have a couple and you end up drinking double that or triple that, and you don't like that, that to me defines over drinking. I think now because of where I am in the research, the credentials that I have and how many people I've helped, everybody I believe is on the spectrum. And it just depends how you're drinking, what frequency you're drinking in response to what you're drinking from. And that combination like will get you further down the line or it might take you slower to get down the line. But if you keep building and building, you'll eventually get to this place that a lot of people don't want to go. So um, I don't like using the term alcoholic. I mean, it's not really a term that even like recovery specialists and things like that use anymore. It's more alcohol use disorder because of that label that people are so don't want it. (laughs) They don't want to be having that label because 
if you label yourself that way, then everybody around, this is what people think. Everybody around you will judge you. And then if you do actually want to drink again, people will be like, should you be drinking? What's happening? Right. And they don't want all of that kind of societal pressure happening to them. So I like the newer term now, but again, like for me, I didn't identify that. Most of my clients don't identify themselves that way. It's more that in the middle gray area type drinking where you can take a few days off without physical withdrawals like that you would worry about. And it's more of like this emotional attachment to alcohol. I think that's a really important sort of philosophy to put out there. And I totally understand what you mean by all of this. So the idea that when you drink more than you want to. I mean, we can relate to that in all kinds of areas of our life. And something that you mentioned earlier was your weight, which I assume correlates to possibly eating more than you want to. You know, these things go hand in hand. When you're in a cycle that is a negative cycle, it's sort of pulling you down or bringing you to the dark side. It's easy to justify those things in the moment, but you feel like crap afterward. That's right. So I think we understand who you were before, but what happened to make you, so to say, see the light? (laughs) There wasn't some dramatic event that happened, but really, you know, I became this person who on paper and like from the outside looked like I had everything that I wanted. And I did achieve everything I wanted. I had a successful career, a lovely husband. I had three beautiful children, a nice house, like the typical American dream, you know, like that's what was happening in my life. But I felt like I was running this rat race that I was like living this 24 hour period of getting up, probably feeling terrible from drinking the too, too much the night before, tired, rushing in the morning to get the kids out the door, getting to work on time, stressing out all day, coming home. Now I have another job to do with getting the kids fed, cleaning up after dinner. Like I just felt like it was this pattern of like, why am I doing all of this? I'm like, there has to be more than this. You know, my anxiety was so high and I was overwhelmed all the time. I just felt like if one of the pieces of that puzzle didn't work that day, everything would fall apart. I also felt very responsible for everything. I'm like, I'm the one that has to do it all. Like, I just had a lot of that sort of resentment happening. I'm like, why am I working at this job just to pay this mortgage? Like, I just, I just want to quit everything. Like, I just want to like get rid of the house and the financial responsibilities and just like go live out of a van and run away. <laughs> like that, this is kind of like what I was thinking in my head. And so I think I probably Googled like alternative lifestyle to the American lifestyle or something like that. Right. And of course, then, you know, like the universe, it does, it starts putting things in front of you. And so I watched the minimalist documentary, which is amazing. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Um, And they talk about these two men who totally like minimized their life. They quit their corporate jobs. They sold their big houses. They simplified their life and they became so much happier. And now they have this amazing online business and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's fascinating. You know, and so then I started researching like how to make money online. And this was, I was still working. And so I found blogging. I'm like, I'm going to start a blog, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do something different. And I was always on the diets in the background, always trying to change my relationship with alcohol. But I was thinking that my lifestyle and like how it was set up with working nine to five and doing that thing over and over again, that was like the source of all of my pain. So eventually I ended up quitting my job. 
And I had started this blog. It was called Artists and Angela. It was like a lifestyle blog. I wrote recipes. and Like, I didn't know what I was doing. But I'm like, I'm going to do this. If they can do it, I can do it. And so I quit my job, wasn't making any money. And I'm like, I'm going to simplify everything. I don't care if I have to eat, you know, canned soup and crackers. I'm going to make this work. So in time too, I was still struggling with diet and alcohol. You know, I was really trying to cut back and I was trying to lose weight and I was exercising all the time. And at the same time, I was feeling like, I was just feeling like I was a little embarrassed because I wasn't making any money yet. And I didn't want to have that label as a stay at home mom. For some reason, like that was causing me angst. I wanted to be more than that. And so I was sharing that with my friend and she's like, you should listen to this podcast about life coaching and feelings. And I'm like, okay. And so I started listening to this podcast about feelings and like how it's your thoughts about the things in your life that create the anxiety and the feelings. And I'm like, what in the what feelings? It's not my job that makes me feel stressed. It's not my husband. It's not my kids that are causing this anxiety. It's my thinking blew my mind, blew my mind. So I ended up joining a coaching program and she said, you need to pick one thing to work on for the whole year. One thing, pick the thing that you have been struggling with the longest. I originally joined to think that she was going to help me with my business. And I said, you know what? The thing that I've been struggling with the longest is my weight. And I want to figure this out. And so I decided to focus on that. And then within that, I decided to do things that I had never tried before. And I started questioning my relationship with alcohol. And then I gave up alcohol. I said, I'm not going to drink until I get to my goal weight and see what is happening here. And then my whole life just, it just totally, it was like, it's just, it was just magical how it just opened up to me. And so it was so compelling during that time that I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to become a life coach. And this is how I'm going to help people online. And this is how I'm going to do my business. Like I had no idea that this, all of my business now and what I've created so far would ever happen in that process, but it has, it's amazing. (laughs) Wow. That is such an incredible story because you came to this through your own journey, through anxiety. You had so much fear of letting go of that person that you had created, that personality, that identity you had created over all those years. But I think you did realize that something had to give, didn't you? Yes. You couldn't yes. keep going. It was just like, it was just, a, you know, how somebody says one sentence and you're like, that just kind of cracks open your brain to think about something totally different. And it was like, just that idea that you have to be willing to do something you haven't been willing to do before. And the first idea that popped into my mind was my relationship with alcohol. And I'm like, that I have not been really like looking at. You know, like I just, I followed diet plans and fasts and juice cleanses and stuff, but it really wasn't why I was drinking, why I was eating. And when I dove into that, I solved it. I mean, I solved the root to why I was using food and alcohol to make myself feel better. And it just, it just, everything is night and day difference now. So good. Well, you're basically glowing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How long ago? Did you make this decision? So I started that journey almost four years ago. It'll be, we're in almost December now. So in January, four years ago. So I don't know, 18, was it 2018? Yeah, 2018. And I feel like every day is a chance to start all over again. 
we can always start new. We can always start fresh. And that is what I'm hearing you say. That's part of the message that I'm hearing you tell today. Yes. Well, I think it just doesn't, it doesn't matter how long you've been struggling with it. Just don't give up. And I think even though I tried all the diets and all these different tactics for 20 plus years in this struggle, like all of that kind of built on itself to lead me to where I am now. Like, I don't count that as failures or anything. I just count that as just like, I learned, I learned what was not working (laughs) really well. And like, there was no other place to look except myself. That was what I wasn't looking at. I was looking at all these outside things to help fix me. But until I turned the mirror on myself and looked at what I was thinking internally and this internal dialogue that I had about all of the areas of my life and clean that up, that's when everything changed. You know, it reminds me of the concept of the onion where we just want to deal with the outside layers. And, you know, what you said was, I want to fix my weight issue, my mental and physical weight issue. But what got you there wasn't focusing on your weight. It was focusing on the other more important things. Yes. Yeah. The internal struggles and the feelings and the thinking that I had, right? It was the weight loss was the goal. It was like the stepping stone into solving that, right? But it wasn't actually the problem. (laughs) The problem was my head (laughs) and my emotional well-being. Yeah. So when did you know that you could help other people? It was pretty fast, like probably three months in. I'm like, this is wild. I can't believe, I could not believe how fast things were changing and how good I was feeling. And I'm like, if I can do this after like struggling for so long, I'm just normal American girl over here, like very classic lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if I can do this, for sure other people can. And I want to help them. And I was just so passionate about it. I just couldn't, I could not start sharing it before I even became a life coach. Before I even knew that I wanted to do that, I started my own podcast sharing my discovery on what I was learning about this stuff. It was called Lessons on Self-Coaching. It's not public anymore, but my clients get to hear that now. It's in my, in my coaching program. I sh- they get to listen to that personal discovery and journey, which is amazing. But yeah, like I just, it, it was so compelling to me. That I just started, had to start sharing it and writing about it and talking about it and telling anybody that would listen. What is your alcohol philosophy today? So my alcohol philosophy today is that I believe that you can have whatever type of relationship you want to have with it. If you're willing to figure out why you're drinking it in the first place. If you're not willing to figure that out, (laughs) it's probably best just to not drink it. But if you do want to maintain a relationship with it and have it occasionally without over drinking it, it's so important to understand the triggers, the thoughts, the feelings, the things behind the drinking that are pushing you to have that drink in the first place. And if you do that, I feel like anything is possible. I almost want to call it an awake and empowered relationship with alcohol. Yes. Yeah. And you may choose to never have a drink again, but for some people that would absolutely drive them the opposite direction. (laughs) Exactly. And that wasn't my goal when I started doing this either. I just wanted to moderate. And even though I decided to not drink in the beginning until I got to my goal weight, I never thought that that was going to be a permanent thing. And it wasn't. I actually did moderate a little bit after that for a few months, 
but I worked, I fixed everything about my life that I didn't have a need for anymore. I was having so much fun without it. I felt so good without it. I had, my relationships were improving. Like physically I was exercising. I'd lost a shit ton of weight. Like, I'm just like, I just got nothing from it anymore. So I'm like, eh. I even like the taste of it at the end of it. I'm just like, I'm done. I've had enough of you, <laughs> you know? And so now it's been, it's going on four years, but I also don't say I'll never have it again. Maybe I will. I just don't worry about it. Oh, that is the best. So would you say that your fear about not being fun has been dispelled? For sure. <laughs> you <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I feel like I'm way more fun now than I used to be. I mean, I was fun before. Like I have a fun personality. It's probably coming through in this. I like to joke, you know, I like to keep things interesting and lively. I've always been somebody that loves to travel and go on vacations and push myself physically and like do, you know, things that might evoke fear around things. But yeah, like now my risk taking is way bigger. Like I'll go on bigger challenges, bigger solo adventures. I went ice climbing in Alaska this summer. Like, you know, it was insane. So like before I would have been like physically or going on some adventure trip like that, I'd be like, oh, I would be way more focused on finding the most trendiest hip bar with the craft cocktails and the fine wines. And I would, you know, like that would be my, but now I'm like, let's wake up early and see the sunrise and go on an epic adventure all day long and tell stories about that. So I for sure think I have more fun now. I have a lot more friends. <laughs> Totally. Oh my gosh. I want to ask too about as a mom, the example that you are setting for your children and what kind of, I guess, philosophy you're working to ingrain in them around their lifestyle choices. Well, I mean, it makes me want to cry, but I'm just so glad they don't have to see that. They never had to. They don't remember me drinking. But my daughter would make me wine charms for my wine glass. And it was so cute at the time. But I'm just so glad that they're not having that influence. Like, I broke that cycle in my family. And, you know, now I don't talk about that drinking is bad or anything for them. I just teach them how to understand their feelings and how to, you know, take control of how they think. And that they should care about what they want to do and not worry about you know, what other people think of them. And, you know, so that's what I feel like I'm influencing them more. Sorry. Oh, uh, Angela, I think I'm controlling my thoughts right now that you are a freaking gift and more people need more Angela in their lives. What you're bringing, you know, to the world and to other people who are dealing with their own internal struggles and anxieties is is relief, help, and empowerment, freedom, because you felt trapped and you are not trapped anymore. So thank you for being open today. If there was one major message you want to leave today, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Let me think about that for a second. That anything is possible. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how many mistakes you've made in the past, what people might think of you, you get to decide what you want to do in your life. And you only have one shot. And you should try to make that life the best life that you have. And 
It might just take a little bit of assistance or some coaching or some help that you don't know how to do yourself. And that's okay. Well, guess what? Get ready to be besieged by new requests because I think you've got a magic gift. So thank you for sharing that today. You're amazing. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. 